everybody and welcome to another episode of pod stallions i am brian and with me always to my left is jason who's going to explain today's show hello everyone have you ever liked to learn macrame well today's the day this is the show now today we have a very special guest and his name is blake armstrong and uh he's a friend of mine i've known blake for a few years through a couple other friends and he's a brilliant artist and he works in Hollywood and he works on movie uh, promotional stuff, you know, art campaigns for current movies and TV series. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to have him come on. He likes the show. He's a big geek like the rest of us and talk a little bit about what he does currently. But also he happens to have a real love for a lot of the older stuff that we like, too, and talk about those influences and you know, how we, we all miss those days of those kinds of posters. So I'm going to throw it over to Blake. And uh, Blake, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, sir. And thank you, Brian, for having me. And um, Blake, I think maybe we'll start with um, your skills themselves. Like, like, when did you, how far back did you know that you could draw? And this just sort of happened. You know, I, first of all, I think every kid draws. I don't think I've ever met a kid who didn't. Um, I think for me, around third or fourth grade, uh, which would have been, I think, when the X-Men uh, cartoon was airing, uh, everybody was drawing X-Men, and everyone liked mine the best. And dudes that would have teased me otherwise were saying this thing I was doing was cool. So I think that was probably the first time I remembered being like, oh, yeah, I should... Uh, I should just get good at drawing and then mm. people leave me alone. Oh, how wrong I was. But, uh, but did yeah. you, but did you see it, you know, did you start to, to see it as something that was viable or just, just a skill to have? Like when uh, did at, you... that, at that stage, words like viable probably weren't really popping through my head. I really liked doing it. And I always felt like I had, uh, you know, something to say with it. Um, it's really funny because I look back on it now and if you were to just describe my life on paper, you'd be like, well, of course that dude made posters later. Because um, all I did was just draw what I saw on TV over and over again in a cool mm -hmm. way, as much as I was able, or at least what I thought was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, I remember vividly in uh, my high school art class, I had a great teacher, one of my favorite people, still a mentor and a friend to this day, my art teacher in high school, Craig Rhodes. Yeah, uh, I was painting something and he just looked at me and he said, Blake, are you making an advertisement? And I think at the time that was meant to be kind of a critical com comment to say, like, <laughs> this is not fine art. This looks like an advertisement mm. because I used to like just make things look very pristine. And mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, he saw something there. But and now I joke with him because all I make is advertisements now. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but I get to you make advertisements for the coolest stuff. So, you know. Right. You <laughs> so you and so how long have you this is the company that you're at now. Tell us what you what you do there. 
And is it the first company you've been with in X number of years, or have you jumped around a bit? Yeah, uh, so the journey is a bit windy and strange. I'll try to keep it as as brief and entertaining as possible. Uh, I worked in TV for 10 years. I moved out here uh, in 03, got a job in post-production, stuck with that. I was a post-soup for a long time, always drawing just for fun. I never thought I could compete in the art world in LA ever. I was like, there's just too much talent here and why would anyone wanna care what I do? Um, and it wasn't until I got my deal doing artwork for In Flames, uh, this metal band, uh, that I kind of got the confidence to be like, oh, I actually could make some art that's cool because I got immediate like global exposure to my artwork through this band. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that really lit a fire under my butt to just be like, all right, maybe you should make this your first priority. So I quit TV and started working. I did work at one other creative agency before the current one I'm at very briefly. And they, it was a very bad experience. They didn't really have their, there was no product. They didn't know what they were making and I didn't know what I was drawing for. And it was just a, a bad situation. But um, that then led me to have an art director credit on my resume and then I think I was kind of licking my wounds after a bad breakup. I think I was working at BoJack Horseman. This would have been I had six or seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> and my buddy he literally threw me a bow and he was like, dude, do you want to come work at BoJack? Like, you, you just need something. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. I really do. Uh, and so uh, I had just blasted resumes out to anywhere for anyone doing Photoshop work. And I believe I sent my resume to BLT for a job that I was completely and utterly unqualified for. But yeah. they got on my website and saw all the poster work and comic book and album stuff I'd done. I had one interview with the CEO of the company and he just said, dude, can you start on Monday? And that's six years ago now. So wow. yeah, and I've been at BLT, uh, art directing, uh, now creative directing, yeah, since then. Um, in addition to all the stuff I do on the side, you know, the album stuff and um, just personal artwork. But yeah, I uh, full time at that agency for six years. And so this, oh, this, fantastic. this is an agency that's, um, you know, an, it's a newer process like than it was 25 years ago, let's say, where the studio yep. would contact artists and say, let's see some submissions. You know, they didn't necessarily have a style guide for things, but eventually would land on a poster and it was, you know, huge and bombastic or or simple um this is a company that gets assignments basically for for all kinds of shows and series and, and movies and, and goes to you guys and says all right you know show us what a campaign would look like for the sides of buses or whatever 100 percent, absolutely yeah man you nailed it that's it i mean a lot of and it's an invisible uh like workforce i mean it, no one really thinks about there is so much manpower that goes into advertising and it's almost because there's so much of it, you almost don't even like think about it. You know, you look at a poster for a movie and you don't think, oh, that's 5,000 man hours to do right. that one piece of art. You know, gone are the days when you would just call a Drew Struzan or a John Alvin or a Bob Peak and be like, all right, here's the photography. We need it by such and such date. They send you three comps. You pick one and it's done. You right. know, that's oh boy, if only it were that way. <laughs> right. right. Um, but, but I will say this, you know, the company I work for, Jason, as you very, was very well said, you know, we're very, we're a very modern company. We, we do whatever is asked in whatever way we're asked to do it. But, mm -hmm. you know, the owners, the founders of this company, they came straight out of working with Drew and, you know, Amsel and all of that. 
They, uh, D- Clive, Don, and Rick uh, are the uh, owners of, of BLT, and it's still a privately owned company. Um, they were basically art directors who were really successful working for Tony Seiniger, uh and then in a couple other places, and they basically were so good that they just told their clients, hey, we're, we're going to s- strike out on our own and do our own thing, and the clients came with them. And, you know, these are the guys that had done, I mean, just to name a few, this is, this is what, the, between the three of them, they have done the poster for Who's Harry Crumb, The Addams Family, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Silence of the Lambs, um, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is one of my <laughs> absolute favorites, Roadhouse, <laughs> The Burbs. I mean, the list oh, wow. goes literally on and on and on. And that's just between the three of them. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm surrounded by great stock. I've mm. got, you know, people that have been yeah. making posters since be- well before Photoshop. Yeah. Um, informing me, you know, and the, and their design sense is just, you know, second to none. And I mean, again, you get to talk to the, the woman that created the Silence of the Lambs poster and get her advice on something. I mean, it's, it's insane. You know, our logo guy designed the logo for RoboCop. You know, (laughs) I can't, you know, so, so again, you know, it is a modern company. We do modern work holding for siren. Uh, We do modern work, but you know, a lot of the people at our company have been in the game for a long time. Um, So, so, so give us, because I want to talk about some of your influences, you know, as well, but give us, uh, give us an idea of what something, something you can talk about, obviously. Sure. Uh, Campaign for you know, uh, I don't know if it was the, the Snyder thing or the um, uh, w- anything that's coming up or that just happened that you can talk about. Sure. That- uh, well, I mean, I can basically talk about, uh, you know, I've worked on some pretty big campaigns and I've been lucky enough to have my work chosen for some stuff. You know, I'd say probably the biggest feather in my cap that I just enjoyed so much from start to end. I did uh, Ready Player One. Um, I did not do the domestic one sheet, which was the kind of the main poster that you saw mostly in the States. I did the big goggles with the split world behind him. Um, I did a bunch of international posters and, uh, and most of that work ended up getting used on all of the Blu-ray and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of nice to get, actually get to see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I worked on that. I did the one sheet for Sonic the Hedgehog, um, Crimes of Grindelwald. I did the international one sheet for that guy. Spider-Man Far From Home, the same. Um, I did uh, the, the Inconvenient Truth sequel. Um, that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, my gosh. Uh, the list goes on. I, uh, Stranger Things Season 3, The Kids in Front of the Fireworks, that was 14 finishes. I did all of those. Um, and when I say I, I mean I did those for my company at BLT. Like, a lot of people go into making these posters. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a team. Like, you can... You seem to me to be the guy that's sort of one of the guys that kind of lays it out and goes, here's the idea I'm thinking of. Here here are some ideas. And everyone kind of comes together and you sort of take lead and then it just kind of evolves from there. Sure. It's, it's different. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, like Stranger Things, for instance, was a pretty sweet deal because it was really, you know, I put everything in those posters. But we have a finishing team. You know, the way it generally works is you get an assignment. Hey, Jason, you're working on Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So we want to see uh, sketches of what you think the posters and the campaign should be. So then we get with our illustration department and do uh, thousands of sketches for ideas. Then they'll pick some that they like. And then they'll, you know, 
shoot the actors uh, in the poses based on our sketches, and they'll render Sonic based on our sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I would then put all that together if it was my idea, if it was my concept. I would put that together, and then if they pick it, great. Then it goes off to our finishing department, and they'll take my – basically take my comp. They'll take my file, my poster, my digital file, and they will rebuild it using crazy high-res photography so that it can be used for billboards, bus sides, anything you need. Um, so, you know, even if you know there was no interference and I did a poster and they said, great, finish it, I would still need that finishing team. Right. I, would st- I would still need that team to build the mechanical for the uh, mechanical meaning, like the billing block, all the type. You know, there's a whole group of people that only work on that stuff. So, so but even stuff when it's done and go, that was my that that was based off my original concept. And there's you know there's fireworks here or there's bells and whistles over here, but that's my design basically. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's definitely we we try to retain ownership over everything. I mean, that just makes for better work and it it makes. Um, makes it a more gratifying experience of course you know but there's been times i mean spider-man far from home is a good example you know i worked on that and then right at the end they're like oh change the head on tom holland and move this and they took i think a character out and really unbalanced my design and i was like oh man that sucks um but that's the job you know this isn't i wish i was making posters for blake but i'm not i'm making it for sony Uh, well let's let's then let's go let's let's take a turn and talk about the posters that we all kind of grew up with and the stuff that we still love uh, and what, what you sort of like when you recognized what artists and then followed their, their work and got influenced by them, the movie on movie posters, movie posters to start movie posters specifically. Yeah, man. Uh, So basically when I was doing my comic book for in flames, I found that I enjoyed doing the cover more than anything. And I was like, man, if I could just do covers, that would be great. Because it's a singular, iconic image that, you know, kind of tells you everything you need to know and gets you excited. Mm -hmm. And that was the first, like, logical thing where I was like, oh, man, movie posters. And then I did a fan poster for The Burbs. And then I did a fan poster for, for Star Trek The Cage. And I started doing all these kind of random, like, fan posters that started to get a lot of traction. This was... Well, this would have been the mid, this was the early mid aughts. So mm-hmm. the Struzan wave of recognition hadn't quite happened. His documentary hadn't happened. Yeah. Um, Mondo was around, but it was still new. Um, you know, now posters are a thriving entity in the culture. I mean, everybody wants art for everything and there is art for everything. Well, what, uh, what is, I mean, Mondo, I mean, Brian, you've got, you've got a, a couple of Mondos, right? Did I give you one or do you have a, Black yeah, hole. you get the black hole one you gave me. I didn't know who made it. Uh, nice. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 They, um, you know, and that all. So basically this big wave of poster culture that is mm-hmm. so popular now was still kind of nascent and a little yeah. new. So basically when I was doing all the Strew Struzan looking stuff, people were like, holy crap. Um, that's really cool. I recognize that, you know. Uh, and this was, again, before Paul Shipper really broke out big or Kyle Lambert. You know, Paul Shipper has done, I mean, so much work for the Star Wars. And um, he's the illustrated poster guy, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Lambert did uh, the Stranger Things um, montages, like those main mm-hmm. posters, illustrated posters for them. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I was just really I came in at a good time to be into that style of poster art because mm-hmm. 
and and making that style of poster art because that's when the, when everybody kind of remembered like oh yeah those those hand drawn posters were really cool and you know it, they were right <laughs> they are really cool oh yeah yeah so, yeah um, that, yeah my so my yeah, favorite posters are by comic artists it seems is that right I mean Bill yeah, Sinkett did it's, that it's, for Halloween it was super cool. He cre- Bill Sankiewicz created the poster for Halloween. He did a Halloween one, yeah, for the most recent. Oh, oh yeah. okay. No, I, I was talking like vintage movie posters I collect. Um, years later, I found out that like, oh yeah, that like, um, right right outside my door is the Sonny Chiba Street Fighter. Cool. And um, a friend of mine's like, yeah, that's like, I was just talking to him the other day, and he said, uh, that's Nick Cardi. And of course, Nick Cardi was mainly known for DC Comics. I, I didn't know that. Oh wow! Um, Neil Adams did some amazing uh, movie posters for movies that don't deserve it. Um, <laughs> th- there is a movie called Death Promise, and okay. if you Google that, the poster is fantastic. I, I can tell you right now, um, the movie itself has just got awful. Oh, <laughs> I that's, mean, that's really great. Bad. That is a good one. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, but that's the game, you know. Bob Gale in the Struzan documentary said it best. He's like, you know, if you got a stinker on your hands, hire the best poster artist so that yeah. you can save your movie. <laughs> and that that's something that uh, th- these are posters I don't own, but the, my dream posters are the Gray Morrow ones he did for American Indep- or Independent International, because yeah. none of those movies were all that good. But, um, you know, like Dracula versus Frankenstein or um, right. oh God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But um, he, he you did know, some amazing Star Trek art, too. He uh, did. He absolutely did. I have a I have a cover of a, a magazine I think Marvel put out, the Mr. Spock. And it's just amazing. Fantastic. Um, Gray Morrow, though, uh, what 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 Independent International had was they had Sam Sherman who, who who worked at Famous Monsters and he knew how to put a poster together. So he would hire Gray Morrow to do these amazing posters and press kits. And you know, the, again, they look better than the films themselves. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Alvin got the game that way kind of too. I think it was a random call for. Um, uh, I want to say I think it was Blazing Saddles. The first oh, yeah. one, because he was Brooks' guy for uh, for a couple of films for Young Frankenstein, Saddles, and maybe even Silent Movie. Um, maybe not Silent Movie, I, if I remember right. But same kind of deal, you know. Just uh, had the right hookup, had a person that was in the game, was like, you should do this, and boom. And it's and, you know it makes me wonder, you know, the person that would be so perfect to do posters all the time would be Alex Ross, because. Yeah. Just speaking of comic book, because his likenesses are so perfect all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know he did glass and I think a couple other pieces for some movies, but uh, I'll just say without going into detail, Alex has been asked. <laughs> I'm sure. Several times, but um, he's a real stickler in that if he doesn't, if his heart isn't in the project, or if he doesn't believe in what is being done with the character maybe sure um he says yeah i'm good and then he'll have to of course you know he projects years down the road when somebody puts a microphone in front of his face and says so what did you think of blah blah movie (laughs) (laughs) i won't be able to help myself i'll have to say what i really think of the movie and i don't want to do that so he has been asked He, he actually did the um 
he did the poster for the Oscars about uh, 10 years ago. I actually have one of those. Um, cool. It's really cool. It's just it's just the statue, like kind of loom like it was like the it was like the dark night the dark night of Hollywood or something, and it just this the Oscar statue kind of towering over Hollywood, sort of, uh, you know, the palm trees kind of thing. Um, well, on that note, I was going to say, like, now making posters is interesting because really I feel like half the things I do are fan art just because everything is a reboot or a remake. I'm generally okay. working on, you know, projects that are things I, I've known about since forever. You know, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, uh, all these things are like, things I've wanted to work on for a long time. Um, and I wonder about it because, you know, when you think about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when you made a movie poster, it was for a movie that was new. Everything was new. Right. Um, yeah. And I have a, I've had imposter syndrome for the longest time. Cause I'm like, am I just a hack just making fan art? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, it's it, you say that I have a good friend who got into the special effects industry because you know he loved movies like The Thing, sure. and you know and and uh, he he has worked on the prequel to The Thing, the remake of Total Recall, the remake <laughs> of RoboCop, and it's I was just kind of laughing with him. It's like you know you're basically getting to redo stuff you love, you know, yeah. uh, for better or for worse. It's just, I find that kind of funny, but that's totally. Hollywood, I guess. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the first major theatrical finishes I got was on the Ghostbusters remake with Melissa McCarthy and company. Um, and I was so thrilled because I mean, Ghostbusters is the movie. Like that was when people talk about the first time they saw Raiders or Star Wars and how that just completely transformed who they were, like Ghostbusters was that for me. Ghostbusters turned me from being a person that would have be probably become an accountant or something into, you know, a weirdo, nerdy artist person. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so getting a Ghostbusters finish was awesome. I got to go to the premiere and do all this kind of cool stuff. It's a bummer the movie wasn't more, more well-received, but, you know, um, still a really cool thing to get to do. And... But you always at the same time just feel kind of like, oh, man, but yeah, I'm still kind of 50th dog to the bowl in terms of <laughs> Ghostbusters art because it's existed in the culture for so long in so many ways. But, you know, well, it's, it's all part of the same soup. You know, it's all it's to me, it's just the things that the thing that's changed is the technology, but also how how they're getting across the message. I mean, we, we always talk about this, you know. Brian certain and I certainly, but I mean people of a certain age, to talk about the the turn, you know, from you know Struzan doing uh, Last Crusade mm -hmm. in eighty, and then the most of the rest of the movies that summer were either photo or logo posters. Right. And Struzan was like the only one that was like an old school kind of adventure, a uh, bunch of stuff happening around the poster. The Bond film. Living Daylights, two two bonds before that had a similar poster. By the time you got to 89, it was just a photo. Yep. And it started to happen more and more. And it's such a bummer. The Bond posters, I mean, you talk about just untouchable series of posters. Uh, I mean, every one of them was yeah. better than the last one. And every one of them was amazing. That uh, one, Bob Peak one, because Peak does Spy Who Love Me, right? Isn't that Peak? Uh, Peak did... Um, hang on. Because that, that's incredible. That's an incredible poster still. It's just, 
you just you went up to it and you just knew this was a big movie. Whatever's going to be happening inside this inside this poster. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a um, big it movie. was yes, it was peak that did that one. Um, and uh, y- oh my god, yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm I'm now I'm just looking at posters on Google. But yes, and and, and that move to photo. I mean, it really. You know, I, I look at it like, because people will always complain. People, especially of our age group who like the movies we like and the art we like, are always going to say, oh, fuck Photoshop. That was horrible. I can't believe things have gone that way. But I'm always like, well, no, because, you know, Silence of the Lambs was done with photographs. You know, mm-hmm. that was a very creative, fantastic piece that was done yeah, with photographs. That's- that's a great example. Yeah, that's actually a great example where you're still using photo, photo but you, and, and, and a face. Yeah. And I mean, I've talked to, you know, uh, Clive Bailey, CEO of BLT, and, you know, uh, I work with him all the time. And, you know, he did the Adams Family poster, which is, you know, it's genius. It's a family portrait. I yeah. Mean, you know, it's it's so simple, but so perfect. And the the way the marble and the, the kind of filigree border, everything adds to the tone of what that movie is mm-hmm. and and i've asked him endlessly about his process because he had to build that mechanically with photographs this is pre-photoshop so this is when you actually had to cut photographs out and airbrush them and do mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. um but you know even so i mean there's you know i'd say that because of the amount of movies that come out now which are I mean, compared to 30 or 40 years ago i mean there's literally like 20 times the amount of movies and content yeah. coming yeah. out yeah you know, so obviously, yeah, you're going to have a lot more crap posters just by law of averages, <laughs> you know. So, OK, but when you when you think of something like, let's say I'm trying to think of big and bon- like like even though the marble stuff is um, what did you say? Photo, not Photoshop. What's the term you use? Because because they're photographed images, but they're they're made to look more artful and they're. Put oh, in, yeah. Those. You know, so, I can yeah. look at the marble stuff the last couple of years leading up to Endgame. And they really started to throw every everything and everybody in but the kitchen sink into those posters. Yeah, and to me, those were kind of a flicker of the way we used to get stuff um, to just say, you know, it's an all star cast or look what this is or sure. this big one or whatever. But if I was thinking of something like, um, well, of course, there's 89 Batman. That That's hard to criticize. It's not a, none of this is criticism, but that's hard to really go after because. That was something extraordinary where it was just the logo on a yeah, post. Yeah, Bat- Batman 89 exists in almost on a planet of its own. Because if you look at the posters that Alvin presented, which were much more straightforward posters, yeah. you know, big Batman, yeah. Joker, type block, car, explosions, yep. like it feels lesser than that movie. Right. Because the promise of Batman was mm-hmm. the hook. You had a black gold logo and that was it and because of the hype which most movies very few movies now if it's not a marvel movie and even marvel's kind of past that the hype for batman will never be matched because oh i don't think so either everybody wanted batman people were like shaving bat logos into their hair and you know (laughs) it was insane that i mean batmania was very real you know i mean even you know, the Ninja Turtles probably could have got away with it by just doing a logo on a poster. But even that Batman was Batman's chips in the shape of the the bat the bat lo- bat logo on his on his chest. But I'm saying if you took something like Batman Begins or The Dark Knight, sure. Those are, I mean, if I think of the Dark Knight one, it's 
maybe I'm wrong, but it's like a white poster maybe with with the 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 bat symbol, the his bat symbol across it or something. Or none of none of those have maybe Batman Begins has a silhouette of him somewhere or something. But yeah, none I mean, of that's just it. The fact that you can't even remember, you know, as, you, mem- as memorable as those movies are, as big would, as those movies were, the posters. Would you have, would you have gone with something, you know, bi- you know, with a little more sexy in it, you know, or a little more like stuff happening or, or would you have gone that way? It's hard to say. I think the Dark Knight specifically, I think, had a pretty cool campaign. There was some really neat artwork made for that. There was the Joker kind of behind the glass smearing mm-hmm. the lipstick. And it says, why mm-hmm. so serious? Like, I thought that was really cool. There was the bat face made up of all the Joker, excuse me, of the Joker cards. Um, that was really cool. You know, there was the burning bat symbol in the building. You know, there was some really cool iconic stuff. But, you know, again, you the more you put out, the more you dilute regardless of how good the work is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I'm a fan of the poster. Mm-hmm. The poster. You know, think about it. Think about Back to the Future if you had that perfect image of Marty by the DeLorean. But then mm-hmm. you had a Lorraine and Biff and, you know, character posters. Then you had the payoff poster with right. every single person on there. And, I mean, now, granted, if Struzan had done it, I'm sure it would have been freaking amazing. But it dilutes the power because when you think of back to the future you think of that image there's no way not to that's how yeah it became iconic in just that exactly yeah so what which ones we've talked about a couple you and i um i'll throw i'll throw one at you but then i'd like you to tell me more of the stuff uh your childhood and earlier or whatever but that you've seen that blows your mind but you and i talked about um star trek the motion picture Yes. Yes. Oh, good. I was going to talk about that, too. Blake has a thing for Star Trek, the motion picture, which I just love because it is such a maligned film for the most part. Jason, honestly, dude, you really opened my eyes after Jason and I kind of nerded out about it one night because we were talking about the motion picture because we were trying to explain the motion picture to someone who hadn't seen it. So (laughs) just by proxy, we're like finding funny things to talk about and enjoying talking about it. But Jason really kind of pointed out he's like. Dude, you have to imagine what it was like to see that movie in 79, being a fan of the show, and this is what you got. This was it. This was the movie. This was the only (laughs) one, and it's got a trillion dollars behind it, and oh my god. And so I rewatched the movie kind of in that mindset, and a lot of the things that kind of bugged me, I kind of was like, well, I'm kind of into it, because you, when you look at it through the context of history, sure, it's quote-unquote boring and there's a lot of things that don't work and but that's because there's been 15 films subsequently that did work right Um, but going back you know in thinking about where they were production wise creatively what they were trying to achieve the reaction to star wars the sort of like we're going to do the opposite of this it's not going to be whiz bang it's going to be big and heady and all of these things so anyways and with with every with every frame, we're going to remind you, you are not sitting in your house on a tiny screen, yes. watching a cheaply made. Yeah, show. it is it is beautiful to look at. That it's is a dangerous. grand. It's a grand vision that just. And it's also probably an adult film. Very much like, so. You yeah. know, like I, I recently kind of 
rewatched it and reevaluated it and realized, no, this is actually really good. Um, it, you know, I get it. I was nine years old going, oh my God, you know, <laughs> something neat. Like I still believe something needed to happen in the second act that had a little bit of action and it, yeah, you know, it could have been pointless, something. just something to keep yeah. the audience going. Oh, that was cool. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, Decker and Ilea on the entertainment deck, just no one needed that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and, you know, again, also, like, they were two characters that we're not fond of, we've never heard of, and why are we watching them, you know? I would, um, I would argue that most of the characters in that movie, by and large, are not very likable, unless you've got... Well, that's, that's the amazing thing too is this, you're right they're not like McCoy's not very friendly and and Kirk is kind of you know you know gunning to get the ship that that took that, Kirk is a full on prick in that movie I mean <laughs> yeah if you just take his actions and the things he does and says there is i think a moment of levity with Scotty <laughs> at the beginning and he kind of reacts positively when Spock shows up and man that's all you get Everything else is him complaining or being very darkly self-reflective or McCoy, like you said, just kind of giving him shit uh, for being that way. Yeah, this is a much longer conversation about how all of it happened and how many, you know, fingers were in the pie, so to speak. But I think that, you know, just off of what you just said, it's like. They had the elements there. They were trying to give a Star Trek vibe. They, at that point, they were thinking more cerebral, less whiz-bang, laser guns. Just leave that to Star Wars. That's not what we are. Absolutely. Yada, yada, yada. But what they left out was the, 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 the gentleness. It was the humor. It was the, um, the vibe between the three characters and the little asides or the sort of unexpected things. It took out – it actually took out – you know, the, the, what, what was the tagline? Like, the human adventure is just beginning. And they took well, out the human. They took out yeah. the human stuff. That's the thing. It's like they spent so much time being po-faced um, because, because they all along they're trying to say, this is bigger, this is better, right. this is not the TV show, this is a serious, big, epic drama, you know. And and, and the thing is, I, can, I don't dislike it for that. In fact, I embrace it more and go – they were trying to do something and there were too many people involved or whatever, but it was a, it was an event. And, and Blake, you just got a repro, right. Of the, of the advance motion picture poster. The advanced one sheet. Yeah. Well, first of all, the one sheet for star Trek, the motion picture is one of the greatest posters ever made. Oh. No question would put it in my top 10 without oh. a blink. Uh, Bob peak. I mean, his work, I mean, all the stuff Peak did, just Google Bob Peak Star Trek and just salivate for days because everything he did for Star Trek was amazing. But that first poster, the rainbow light streak, oh, yeah. the heads, and the little ship, you get the scope. I mean, it captures the grandeur of that movie, which is difficult to do because visually it is one of the greatest science fiction films next to 2001. It's I mean, so colorful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's such a cool movie. But yes, so now the advanced one sheet is extra interesting because it is a giant painting of the Enterprise hurtling through space. Oh, yeah. It's on the back of the comics. Exactly. And it's got yeah. the little strip at the bottom with the, you know, with just the pictures the of the faces. actors. Yeah, yeah. But 
The best part of it is clearly the design of the Enterprise had not been finalized because it still has the dish on it. The uh, markings on the ship are not accurate. The nacelles look different. It's definitely a piece of concept art that they just put out. But my God, it is such an exciting... It's way more exciting than the movie by 800 light years. I mean, just like (laughs) it's so exciting. Uh, And I would argue the one sheet is as well. The one sheet, all, but I would say the one sheet matches the film's stillness a little right. bit. The, oh, yeah. yeah. This, uh, the advanced one sheet really felt like a rocket sled. Like, a holy moly, we're in for a Star Wars kind of ride. I love that they chose uh, that, that giant image of the Enterprise saying, here's one of the most famous vehicles in the history of science fiction, and it, it's coming right at you. Here it mm-hmm. comes back yeah you forget know. all that crap you saw that junk you saw in star wars look at this <laughs> perfect you know perfect spaceship and it was you know so good and the fact that they got you know the team that worked on 2001 to do a lot of those visual effects is pretty pretty awesome i would um, put um i would put the work he did on um wrath of khan too that peak post Oh my God! And again, Google the 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 comprehensives he did, the ones that didn't make it to final. Those mm-hmm. are just spectacular. And I mean, on my monitor now, one of my probably top three favorite posters ever: Star Trek Three, Spock's streaky head with the little oh, body yeah. at the bottom. Oh, That's I just do. Is that Pete too? Is that Bob yeah. Peake? Bob Peake did every Star Trek movie until six. Uh, and I believe it was because he was either in bad health or some kind of deal couldn't be reached. And John Alvin did the did the Undiscovered Country, which is oh, a beautiful wow. poster as well. But, I don't think he did that many. I that that Spock one because they're they're at the bottom of they're kind of the bottom front of the poster, right? The other characters kind of. Mm-hmm. And Spock's head is the whole you know the Darth yep. Vader. And Peak man, Peak is so interesting to me because I always said that Drew Struzan is the greatest poster artist he makes his posters one-to-one size when he draws it it's the size of the poster like it is the poster mm-hmm. he worked he was a fine artist that just happened to make movie posters he mm-hmm. worked huge he worked on large canvases i mean i've seen the star trek the motion picture painting and you know outside of the streak i mean my god there's like a foot and a half either way of just space and just like literal space and actual space, um, you know, uh, he worked really large so mm. that the client, whoever, you know, Paramount, whoever would have the uh, the freedom to crop it however they saw fit. Um, mm. And then they could, re- again, sort of like our finishing team, he would work so large that way they could repurpose the work for whatever. Um, and And you could always see like he would cut out uh figures from like another piece and paste them into the poster so looking at his poster you see a giant canvas but then you would see these little cut out like birds of prey or something he clearly painted elsewhere and then just put into the piece which i always thought was really neat you know he didn't always do everything 100 percent on the canvas he had to clearly rework things or revise things and i always thought that was really neat to see and so yeah, so no no struzan's done it a few times i certainly know alex does it um, with human people, but I mean, do, do most of these instances you're talking about, is it, do they do a session with the talent that'll be on the poster, take some shots, position, and then go from there? Or do they just take some stuff that exists and then put it into their 
their frame, into their world, what they want. Well, I'm going to speak just from having read and seen documentaries and, you know, read a lot of books and things. I certainly don't want to speak for any artist because I'm sure each of them does things different each time. But I would say on the whole, Struzan traces. He projects faces, you know, traces them and then makes them look better than humanity is capable of looking. You know, that's that's what he does, which is not to say he couldn't do everything freehand. He absolutely could. But based on the time he got into the game, you needed to work quickly and, uh, you know, that saved, you know, weeks of work being able to, you know, to trace. Uh, and I know there's a lot of artists out there like, oh, you know, fuck that. He's a tracer and all this. And it's like, dude, I will give you that projector. You go trace that and make it look the same. You know, <laughs> like that dude. No. Um, Peak, on the other hand, if you look, his likenesses, which are great, he always captures the spirit and the general kind of tone of a person. But especially like if you look at Star Trek three, the likenesses are not perfect. It's a it's definitely an artist rendering. Right. It's not a it's not portraiture specifically, so to speak. It's I like know, yeah, I like that. I like what like the two I sent you the the Bob Peak Peak did um Bob Peak did two or three roughs for License to Kill, which was gonna be called License Revoked. Um and the way he captures Dalton it's like it looks like Dalton but it's not quite him because it's Peak's version of him yeah and he's an idealized yeah. version it's great yeah. and it's yeah. better than the photography you know yeah. Dalton in photography you see his weird hairline you see you know the wrinkles under his chin I mean these are things that obviously don't really matter Timothy Dalton's a very handsome James Bond-esque man but glad you said that because he's sitting right here Tim <laughs> Dalton damn it uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the when you have that interpreted through somebody like a Peek or a Struzan or an Alvin or something like that, you know, it's this idealized kind of perfect version. Mm-hmm. And photography just can't do that great without because if you over retouch, it looks bad. If you under retouch, it looks bad. Like getting people to look good in photography, you basically have to end up painting them. I mean, you really mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like you were saying, like you look at the Avengers posters, which uh, certainly not to speak ill of any art directors because I know some of them that have worked on those movies, but they're not great designs. It's kind of visual diarrhea. It's just heads in space yeah. and flares. Yeah. You know? it's, and, it's, um, it, it just it seems like, a, I mean, I look at it and I'd say I'm glad they spent some time on it. It's not just a logo. It's not just, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing the best they can, I suppose, with whatever the brief is for how these things are going to roll out. Like, Civil War would be the two faces coming together. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, but if there's if there's, you know, if you get a Doctor Strange, you'd think it'd be him in the middle of a universe with all kinds of shit behind him and or floating through a, you know, a a Steve Ditko comic or something to make. (laughs) Right. This is a different world that you're kind of going into. Um, But, you know, and and I look at those things and I think. Well, there's a lot of Photoshop. There's a lot of cleaning up. There's a lot of, you know, computer trickery to get them, you know, this way. Um, I'd much, you know, in a perfect world, I'd have somebody like a Bob Peake come in and do a kick-ass poster. If Bob Peake did Doctor Strange, I mean, I don't even know if I can handle how good that would be. (laughs) Because it would be so perfect, you know. Uh, God, it's, but that's just it, you know. It's, there used to be five guys you would call when you yeah. needed a good poster. Yeah. You know, and now me and the, you know, and everybody else that knows Photoshop, 
you know, we get to do this, which I'm lucky I get to do it. But, you know, it's I try really hard to discipline myself and kind of remember my fine art training and all that stuff to really make good designs. Because, I mean, if you're if you're lucky, you can get a good design by the people that have to approve this stuff, which are on the whole generally not creative people. They are they don't give a flying F about, you know, composition or any of that stuff. They just want Robert Downey Jr. bigger and they want their title bigger and they want everything bigger. And that's it. You know, we, well, OK, now hold that thought, because that brings me to something else. But I want to go back to Brian for a second. Brian, are there are there another couple of posters you can think of that you love that that uh, just sort of hit it out of the park, you know, for you? Still? Well, first, yeah, sure. First of all, white chicks. Um, I'm not only a fan of the film. It always comes back to white chicks. Does yeah. what it's on the tin, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have enough walls for all the posters I'd like to own. I'm sure we all have that dilemma. Absolutely. Uh, but I would say that I, I surround myself with the ones I love. And um, some of the ones in here are uh, uh, Basil Gogos's uh, poster for Inframan. Oh, which, excellent. Oh, man. Yeah. Man. I mean, that is that is to me like what a movie poster should be. Um, and then I've got one that I've always loved because I love the film. It's uh, a movie called Super Argo versus Diabolicus, which is um, an Italian ripoff of Mexican wrestling films. And it's just really dynamic. And and the thing I love about that poster is it says it has a big disclaimer that says all live action, not a cartoon, <laughs> you know, which I don't know what their worry was there. But I guess that, you know, um, that's are you referring to the one where he's punching and also holding someone? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. I, I can tell you. OK, so you have a very mid to late 70s poster appreciation because i'm noticing a lot of the ones you're calling out are generally on white with some framing devices they're hand painted um that's cool oh yeah 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 Uh, i I do have one more though that um is was my my birthday present to myself a while back and that was um monsters crash the pajama party (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, it's a, a movie poster that, um, it's a movie. It's, it was, it was done by a guy named Jim Ridenour and he, all, he called it a ripoff, but what it was is, you know, you saw a, a movie and then this movie played and then people came out of the audience dressed like people in the movie, like the usher would have mask on and, and they would grab somebody out of the audience and oh. it was all just kind of, you know, um, you can get this by the way on, on DVD, but I, I bought this thing and it's like 60 inches by 48 inches. I didn't check that. So I've had a hell of a time getting it framed. Um, yeah, 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 you got to custom frame that bad boy, but that's worth it. That's worth getting it custom framed. What yeah, about, so, don't you have, Brian, don't you have, um, I thought you had a Phantom of the Paradise. Poster. I have the Richard oh. Corbin Phantom of the Paradise, which is glorious. That's Alvin uh, too. That was, yeah, yeah that was a big yeah. one. Um, for him in his career, that was like a. Oh yeah, that, they're both nice. Both posters are nice. Um, and the the one I have that doesn't really kind of, it it was theatrically released in in Europe, but it wasn't actually. It, it's two episodes of Space 1999. Okay. Were released as a movie after Star 
after Star Wars came out, and it's called Destination Moonbase Alpha. And if you Google that, you'll just you'll get why I like it. I think it kind of fits my aesthetic. Um, it just makes everything way more exciting than what happened is in the movie itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, oh man, that's that is such a good poster. That's got some. Uh, that's got a little Blade Runner in it too. It's got yeah. the you know Destination Moonbase Alpha. The type is coming out at you like the buildings did in the Blade Runner poster and. The colors are really fantastic. That's a great poster. I look at that every morning. That's on my stairs. <laughs> so I get to see That's Martin cool. Lando. And the last one I would pick is the green slime. Um, That's a great poster. Yeah, it's it's a classic ad campaign. Yeah. These, are, these are what are in my house. And that's, that's basically all my movie posters. I would love to buy... You know, I would love to fill my house with Kung Fu posters and, and all that stuff, Planet of the Apes. But, sure. you know, there's just there's no more walls. And then what do you do? So, I know. Um, I, I've had I have these very, very serious arguments with my girlfriend where she is just like, we, we can't live in, in the poster den as much yeah. as, you know, you have to pick the ones you really like. And let's <laughs> put those out. But I mean, yeah, you walk into my house. I think in our breezeway, we have uh, we have Dreamscape. The Flintstones, uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Um, oh, yeah, that's a great one. That's the Struzan, little, right? Isn't that Struzan? All, all Struzan, yeah. And then we have The Little Princess, just for, for Lori, for my girlfriend, because <laughs> I found that poster for her. Um, and then when you walk upstairs, we have The Burbs, which my boss, Clive, created. Yeah. Um, and I that was, that was a great poster. One of, one of my favorite stories was, so I did this Burbs piece many years ago. It was one of the first things I did kind of when I struck out on my own as an artist, and uh, it ended up being used for the German uh, Blu-ray. Uh, they contacted me and were like, hey, can we use your image for this? And they paid me and stuff. It was really cool. And I remember I told Clive that. I'm like, Clive, we have something in common. We've both done artwork for the Burbs. And he's a very – he's British, and he's a very kind of – very kind of austere man. And he just goes, get the fuck out of here. Like he was really yeah. excited about it. Like he kind of broke yeah. character for it, which was kind of neat. Um, <laughs> Funny. And I've asked him, I'm like, okay, when you shot the Burbs, like, what was it like? Did you get Hanks in the studio? He's like, no, no, we had to wander up to Universal. It was a pain in the ass. We had to pull him out, put him against the seamless, like, do it really quick. And and it's great to hear these guys, like, critique their own work, mm-hmm. you know, because Clive was like, oh, the shadows on Tom's feet are just terrible. And uh, <laughs> I remember one of my favorites is, uh, if you guys can picture or Google the Roadhouse poster. Oh, with, yeah, I, uh, I don't yeah, need to. Yeah, it's Swayze leaning up against the wall, yeah, and you yeah. have three panels of you know from the film, and then at the bottom you have the logo. And Dawn, the she came into my office and was like, "Oh, that's my poster." I'm like, "Yeah, I know," because um, I have I have all of these posters hanging in my office because these are all posters I had in my house when I was a kid, um, and now I know the people that made them, so it's really crazy to me. But she was like, you know, I never got final approval on that Roadhouse poster. And I was like, oh, really? Like, you know, what do you mean? And she's like, if you look at the logo, it looks like toothpaste. It doesn't look like a neon sign. They didn't do a good job getting the logo right. And I look at it and I'm like, I cannot unsee toothpaste. It (laughs) does not look like a neon sign. If you look at that Roadhouse poster, it looks like (laughs) blue Colgate toothpaste. So just things like that, you know. I, a good, good thing that the character had, you know, was so into dental hygiene as well as ripping out throats. <laughs> and not feeling pain. No, nope. um, pain don't hurt, you guys. 
I'm going to pick a couple, uh, which will probably come as no surprise to a lot of people listening. But, um, you know, besides the the Bond stuff, you know, from the, the late 60s, early 70s, uh, you know, a few and a few specifically like Spy Who Loved Me. Um, Majesties is a great poster. Um, there was one that was done for You Only Live Twice that I don't know if it made it to to print. But the I forget who did this, but the the way it's the way the perspective is Connery is in his tuxedo with the gun up by his breast, by his, uh, you know, left shoulder kind of. And he's walking, he's walking forward, but he's, he's walking around the inside of the rim of the volcano. So the volcano is a volcano. So it's, it's defying gravity, but the way the thing is framed, he looks like he's standing upright coming towards you, but he's going to walk past you and keep walking around the rim of the volcano is like his feet are like you know like they're being held in by these bars that are on the floor of the thing yeah. Meanwhile, everything is going on underneath him in the volcano with people fighting and explosions and a rocket's about to go off and it's just completely bonkers it's somebody it's so good just it's take so good. it take it and, and go crazy with it um so besides that stuff the Blade Runner uh one sheet the um there there's two different ones that are you know the similar one of them is the softer one that was kind of done for home video. And um, I, think, I think there's one that was it was like the Criterion cover. But the original poster uh, for Blade Runner, I think, is one of the best movie posters of all time. Oh, and it's I fantastic. Yeah. And who is who was that, Blake? That was who, John Alvin did that one. Alvin. So, that's right. Alvin did that, that one. I mean, you know what he did? I and mean, if you really break it down, he made a poster from the 40s. He just yep. put a bunch of sci-fi shit in it. Yeah. The smoke exactly. from the cigarette, the gun. All of that was done just like a movie, yep. you know, a noir film from the 40s. And it started uh, as the movie evolved, you know, they, they kept referring to it as this future noir kind of thing. This, yeah. this detective gumshoe, totally. you know, it, what didn't end up being quite the, the Philip Marlowe type thing that, that I think initially was intended because also because Ford didn't wear a fedora. He was, more oh, you know, I think about that, and yeah. you know, they, uh, Hampton Fancher has said it endlessly. He's like, "Oh, we were so mad that he wore that fedora <laughs> in Indiana Jones because we couldn't have him wear a fedora." Because yeah. he, I mean, you, if you really think about it, that would have visually hit home the gumshoe aspect of sure. all of that so hard. Yeah, totally. And yeah, yeah that. On that note, the other one I, I'm thinking of would be um, the regular sheet for Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. which Amsel and. Yep. Just that huge shot of Ford with the whip over his shoulder. And, you know, Marion is going down the rope on the right side and mm-hmm. Ford down below with the with or he's on the rope and Marion's got the torches beneath him, sort of thing. And they had it as a big cardboard standee the night I first saw the movie, that the night it opened. And I just I thought if I could get this home somehow. <laughs> you know, but I just that is such an iconic image of him. It's so it's so perfect, you know, and it doesn't tell you a whole lot about the movie, but you kind of know we're not doing Star Wars. This is not Han Solo, you know, whatever. And then, of course, the other one that 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 I just am in love with, and I think it's absolute perfection, is Flash Gordon, is the 1980 Flash Gordon poster. I which would was, say that's Amsel's greatest 
I mean, greatest pieces. It's every every inch of that. Every you know, every character in it. Um, but Ming, just that that the way he put Ming in there, coming coming forward, it's just and it it defies a lot of like if you look like Ming's hand couldn't do that. You know, it's physically impossible. Like there are things in there that are technically wrong. Right. By and even in the Ansel piece, you were just describing the way he's holding the rope. Like his hand is clearly not his hand. It's a stripped hand with, right. you know, but it doesn't matter because what it's doing is it's capturing this emotion, you know, Ming holding the ring up to his face and the way all of the imagery kind of lives within that form and the big red lapels and the border, yep. everything about that Flash Gordon piece <clears throat> is just... All the space, all that black space, all that negative space around yeah. the image. You know, it's it's you know you got the bad guy the good guy down below something's gonna happen i think the more i think about the the raiders one the more i the more puzzling it is to me because it really is just i mean people knew very little about that movie before it came out well, and that the image they went with you know and if if you didn't know better you might not know that's harrison ford you know True. as the character but there's something so assured about it that it's just going this is a badass movie. We don't need to smile. We don't need to make you feel good. Just trust us. This is this is the adventurer right here. I mean, you it know? was smart marketing because, I mean, in addition to all the things you just said and the awesome likeness of, of Harrison Ford and the cool little action scenes and stuff, I mean, the biggest crazy – the biggest thing on the poster is from the creators of Jaws and Star Wars. Yep. So it could have been a dude taking a dump in a box, and I would have gone to see that movie. But <laughs> – Luckily, you get it's a real Richard different Anson. turn for those guys. <laughs> but luckily, you get Richard. Anson. I bet you can do it, though. They'll pull it off. Firing on all cylinders, making just the most badass poster, you know, ever. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it, and it just to me is 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 synonymous with when I think of Raiders, like that image pops into my head because it's just so I had that they sold that in the theater in these the little mini 50 cent posters versions of the, of the oh, movie. I bought one, and that thing was on my wall for so many years. And it's got all a bunch of. I still have it. It's in the other room. It's got tiny little holes in the corner, like it's fraying and from all the paper and stuff. And dude, we. uh, I was. I got interviewed for a Richard Amsel documentary. Um, And wow, what's that? I said wow. Oh, oh, I thought you said how, and I was like, well, someone asked me. No, no, wow. Um, (laughs) So uh, great story. They, uh, so Ansel's other Indiana Jones piece, kind of the main piece where he's in the white shirt whipping, you know, the whips kind of going around him and in the, in the, you know, on the side, you have the temple and you have the, the Nazis and all that stuff. Kind of like the re-release when he's smiling, that one. Yeah. The return of the great adventure poster. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I have on my wall, that's on my wall. Well, then next time you come over, dude, I got to show you this because after I did that documentary, um, it was uh, the the director was kind enough to send me some postcards of Amsel's work, and one of the things he sent me was uh, a copy of the comprehensive Amsel did for that poster. So it's basically like the rough version of that, um, and it's so neat to see because I mean that dude basically worked with colored pencils and acrylics, um, lots of pencil work for him, uh, and it was just really neat to see a kind of loose clearly colored pencil on paper like thing that he sent to a studio and they were like yeah that's it do it great you know just it's just such a different time and 
just it's it's making me all nostalgic and romantic about about all of it because it just it just was I mean it really was I I don't know that I, what I'd like to you know we'll head to the end of this but like I'm curious as to how today when you know you you go rewind 30 years or whatever you walk into a movie theater you you get a ticket for something else that's that's there but this poster that you see something you did you didn't know it was going to happen you didn't know this thing was coming out maybe and you'd see the poster and your chin would just hit the floor like whoa when are they doing when did that happen you know and then it said when it was going to come out whatever but it just you could as a kid i could just stand there and stare at those posters oh man i and one of you know one that that's how i knew it was coming so yeah the place of of movie posters and this kind of marketing today amidst social media and everybody kind of knowing when everything is going to happen and so on and so forth. How is it the different? How is it the same? Like what, what, where is it at? Man, AV is so important now. You know, the trailer is the thing. The trailer is what really gets these things going in the, in the TV advertisements. And again, the social media and all that. I mean, the poster is now just a couple notes in that symphony. You know, it used to be, the poster was the conductor of that symphony. Right. But, um, right. So in that respect, it's it's a bit different. I mean, for me, in a, from a purely business standpoint, it's great because they want so much work for every movie. They want a different billboard. They want character posters. They want a teaser. They want a payoff with everybody in it. You know, they want so much work for every campaign, which is great because I get paid to make that. And I mm-hmm. like eating and buying toys. So woohoo! Mm-hmm. But, you know, but again, I coming back to just, man... I miss the days of the poster, just mm-hmm. the poster, yeah. you know, and it's, it's hard. And, and, I, and again, I, I like like the teaser and payoff combo. I think that's good. I like the, one of my favorite teasers ever was the Batman returns teaser poster. It was just white with the top yeah. of the ears. And then they did one that was great because it was the logo with the snow blowing through it. Um, yeah. And then, of course, they did the totem with the three heads, which, again, a very weird poster. John Alvin was – his designs were kind of kooky. Like, you would, would never, ever be able to get away with that poster now. Like, no, I, especially the one the, – the first one you mentioned, I forgot about that one, the one that was just the tip. Yeah. They took the, took the, you know, idea of the logo on the first movie and just made it – it's basically saying, you don't even need the whole logo. This no. is all – to know what's coming up next in a different setting kind of completely that's like that was a crazy poster to put out as an advance i think absolutely and i mean in that whole campaign i mean they stripped i mean it's basically a black and white campaign with just a little bit on a little bit of blue and a little bit of red on catwoman's lips and that is it but granted but they, that's what, they didn't didn't they do one 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 at a certain point there was a campaign of posters that came out that it was you know the bat the cat the penguin and they were they were photos of them and he's like kind of whipping the cape and she's sort of you know bent a little bit and looking backwards and he's just like you know he's got his head tilted looking at the camera didn't they do that too or were those just promotional no that was there i mean i can't remember if that was i don't remember seeing those in theaters so it may have just been promotional um it wasn't until forever batman forever that i remember seeing like character posters and i think I'm going to venture a get an educated guess and say that that was one of the movies that really made character posters a viable campaign. I think you're right. Yeah, I think because you're right. people were stealing them from subways. The yeah. hype 
for Batman Forever, you know, despite kind of how it now lives in the culture as kind of this weirdo movie, but the Schumacher movies are a bit maligned now. But back then, everybody was hyped about Batman Forever. And I remember seeing that poster with the logo and the question mark and being like, holy shit. You knew exactly what you were going to get without knowing at all what you were going to get. Um, yeah, and you thought that even if Burton was gone, they're going to keep this vibe going. So and I, everybody was jazzed yeah. that they were going to color it up and do some different things. Like the the imagery, all of the the what you know when I would read Starlog because that's back when Starlog yeah. was still a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Starlog had a great write-up on Batman Forever and, and showed some sets, and I was like, oh, man, they're wow, the Riddler's, like, fluorescent green and Two-Face is, you know, crimson red. And it was really cool because you had very identifiable, and now I realize now what a genius marketing and production design job it was because everything with the Riddler's green, everything with Two-Face is red, everything with Batman is blue, everything with Robin is, you know, you fill in the blank. It was, you know, for every character. It's like they really nailed kind of the the branding for that movie so well yeah the, aesthetic, the, the the you know turning it up a notch making it a little less dark i was probably welcomed by the studio i know and possibly by the 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 fans but it was the it was the tone that is what changed but the but the look yeah and i think you could have done the look with and kept the same tone but just made it more you know, you know brighten things up a bit i think it's what's i think it's what's bled into all the all the dc warner brothers stuff we get now in that snyder verse or whatever where everything is so dark and the outfits yeah. are dark and there's no you can barely tell if it's blue or red on some of these outfits <laughs> such a yeah. dark such it's dark blue. It's, um, yeah, and those batman movies were weird especially if you look at the first well, the first four, I mean, the plots are strange. Even if you allow yeah. for the suspension of disbelief, the plots are very, very odd. Like yeah. motivations are kind of not important to anyone in those movies because everybody just sort of does stuff and you're just like, okay, you know. The, it, the first two in particular are very weird. Like like I would put them with, not on the same wavelength, but I know Brian's heard me talk about Dune enough, but when you when you really get, if you get through 30 minutes of Dune, you just have to sit back and go, I can't believe this was the big giant studio picture that was going to sell Happy Meals and toys and right, right. Get, get repeat viewings and stuff because it's bonkers. So, so the first two Batman films are, super dark they're super yeah. dark super weird the penguin stuff is just just in yeah i, I thought oh. batman returns just goes too dark like it batman just, like, returns opens with an abortion it literally opens with a couple throwing their baby into a frozen river yeah that movie had a happy meal <laughs> yeah like, it did kids, and i mean i saw that movie six times in the theater in 92 Oh yeah, uh, I was so, and that was one of the first trailers I remember because I don't even really remember the '89 trailer that well, despite that being probably one of the biggest, craziest trailers ever made because everybody was all about that trailer. But I remember actually, we had a local comic store that allowed you. They he worked out a deal with the theater, and you got to go into the theater, which was playing, I think, Deep Star Six, just <laughs> to watch the trailer. Then we all had to leave. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. That, again, Batmania. People yeah. wanted to just see a trailer. That's how huge the oh, need. Yeah. But you know, it was like it was very much like um, 
because it all comes back to Star Trek, the motion picture. But it was similar in that we'd heard about this Batman thing. Um, it had been a while since we'd gotten anything in the in the genre. I mean, we had super the first two Superman films that you know we mm-hmm. we all liked, and then and most people didn't even see the fourth one. But um, I did. On paper, <laughs> I think on paper it was it was the the notion that Keaton was Batman that, I mean, people really forget or don't understand just how negative the backlash was about that casting thing. And I think the Wall Street Journal had it on their front page. Like, what are they thinking? Is it going to be a comedy, et cetera? I've loved Keaton since, you know, since Night Shift or Working Stiffs before oh, that. Oh, Night Shift is so good. And, and, but even I was going, okay, what, what are they doing here? And then, yeah. I, and then, then the Mr. Movie- Mom is Batman. A movie called Clean and Sober came out. Uh, yeah. in between, and you went, oh, yeah, he, he's got this. And it's still kind of ethereal. And then that trailer hit. And it was like, it was, it was, it was kind of like biblical. <laughs> you sat there and just kind of went, okay, this is really happening. Like, Keaton, this is not. Yeah, Keaton fun. did what, you know, and everybody always, because I'm a big Batman fan, you, behind me I have a Returns cowl that's screen accurate and stuff. I've spent so much money on Batman stuff. But uh, I remember Keaton did the right thing, which was I'm not going to talk a lot at all, and I'm going to let the suit do all of the work. And yep. that's what he did. And it crushes. It's so perfect. All he said was, I'm Batman. Yep. And, and that's all you needed. And, you know, they're uh, and then, of course, um, you know, when people are like, oh, what do you think about Ben Affleck being Batman? I'm like, dude, anybody can be Batman. That suit is what does the majority of the heavy lifting. Right. You know, they just need to be lit cool and stand cool and not say too much. And you're going to be good. You know, but I, well, what was crazy about the trailer was I think we we kind of it starts up and you kind of think, oh, we're going to get little tastes. You know, we're going to get little little quick little glimpses. I mean, trailers, even then, trailers were pretty fast, and certainly like the Star Wars ones, when the next one would come out, you'd, you'd, right. you'd go to see the re-release, you'd wait till the end credits, they would run the next teaser trailer for the next Star Wars film. And the, just, you're a kid, but like, images are just zipping past your face, like, what was, wait, what was that? What, snow? What the f-? And the Batman one, it you, you're like, well, we're not going to see the, the Joker in the trailer. They're not going to do that. Right. And they and they did it and they yeah. did it like twice and then we're not going to really see Batman we're going to see him from behind or whatever and they showed it and they showed the Batmobile and they went the confidence in that trailer which was oh. this is going to work everybody so shut it, up that you know? I mean that movie you talk about a movie that I mean you were talking about the Keaton backlash you know of course there was that backlash but also. People were talking about the movie. People were never not talking about that movie from probably 87 to the release. Because when Nicholson got in, everybody's like, holy shit, this movie is, it's it's the Brando effect. It's like, oh my God, now this movie is very legit. You know? Somebody made a comment, it might have even been Nicholson, or somebody was talking about, you know, what would normally be spent on a film like that on an ad campaign, you know, posters and billboards everywhere, et cetera. They really didn't do as much as even a normal film because it just started to promote itself because yeah. the the Batman logo was everywhere, just telling everybody this movie was out. It's the most perfect branding marketing campaign. I would probably say the Batman 89 campaign is one of the greatest movie campaigns of all time because yeah. you could stamp that logo on 
everything. Yeah. Hats, shirts, toys, tattoos, you name it. And yeah. boom. And oh my God. And it was everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Ghostbusters was close. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters was close, yeah. yeah. Also had a really great logo that you could just slap on everything. And it's organic. It's, it's slapped on their uniforms. You know, just like slapped on Batman. They're not on they're not on that any of those eighty four posters. It's just the logo, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the first teaser logo um, was just the logo, and then the I think the payoff was just the three of them. Man, oh, I always bring right. out that Ernie Hudson wasn't in that. It kind of oh no, that's really, right. The three of them looking up, right? Isn't that yep. the thing? Yeah. Okay, that's right. Really great poster with the kind of creepy sky, and you don't. It's it's. I, it, I mean, if you really take out the context of knowing what the movie is about, it does have a very horror aesthetic. Oh to yeah. It. yeah. Oh totally. Uh, totally. You know, it was funny. As I was just actually speaking of Ghostbusters, I was just looking at. I, I got interested in a movie. Do you remember Nothing But Trouble? Oh um, my God! This is what yeah. this podcast is about as of this moment. Because okay. oh boy, I love that movie. And well, I have do a you? Pin, I have a pin of Dan Aykroyd eating the hot dog. Was Valkenvania? Valkenvania. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. written by yeah. Aykroyd's brother. Yep. Yeah. And it's um, the, the concept, like the poster that came out is really bland, but the concept art, like I think one of them is Boris Vallejo, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, the, the posters that should have come out should have come out, like they're just better. There's there's two different concept posters, and, and one of them kind of is like a horror version of the vacation poster, the first, you know, the first vacation poster, and the other one is just a different take and they're just I couldn't get over how good the rejected posters were. It's you know, you know that the well it's such a weird thing because I know the post so the Boris Vallejo piece you're talking about is great. You have Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and they're standing on a pile of bones and then yeah. above them you have like the judges uh what do you call that that the judges sits at? Uh but the, oh, but anyway, yeah. the big yes, judge uh, right yeah, yeah. Big court riser. And you yeah. have Ackroyd up there as the judge pointing at them. And I think John Candy's in it. And you get a little whiff of sort of the surroundings in Valkenvania. I think some buildings and cars and junk and all that. It's a crazy cool piece. And you have Chevy Chase holding the bone in it, you know. Oh, and I think uh, Bobo and Little Devil are in the background somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's so good, but I think, and if you look at the poster that's out, the poster that's on streaming and all of that, it's a very by-the-numbers early 90s poster. You have the whole cast in photograph above a photograph of the set, and you don't, I, I honestly don't know why they would have made that move. Maybe at the time those posters were more, got better traction in terms of uh, the home video market or you know what that could have meant but uh but can we just, i always felt like they were trying to sell like a wacky comedy yeah you know? i mean but again you can it's impossible to nail down the tone of that movie because yeah. i don't think the yeah. movie yeah. Even knows. how would you get people in to see that movie like it's such a it is off its tits it is the weirdest it doesn't string together it is it is kind actually of, you know, now that you just said that out loud, and I'm I'm literally looking at both posters as we speak. The <laughs> reason they picked that other art, Brian, is because the only way you sell a movie that's that weird and honestly not that great by all accounts <laughs> is because you have Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, John Candy, John Candy. and Demi Moore 
in a movie and you make them big and you put them on the poster because okay. yeah. you have and to then you give it the worst name ever exactly yes yeah because and if hope- you look at national lampoon's vacation that had ma- first of all critical success it had major uh i mean you had ramus behind it the people that worked on um you know animal house and all this stuff like it had a lot of pedigree and it probably and, tested well yeah i mean if you look at this if you squint at the poster that vallejo did for nothing but trouble you can't tell that that's dan Aykroyd or john candy you can kind of make out that it's chevy chase and demi more but but if you look at the other one you have those stars big and bold and again a star cell is something we have to just kind of compete with all the time if you've got hot people in your movie they have to be big on the poster what um, yeah what, okay where did you where did nothing what brought that to mind brian what were you thinking? oh um I was watching. Um, I'm fascinated by it. Um, it's just me you know, too. It's one of those things. And I, I, something came up on YouTube the other day, and I watched uh, like a half an hour documentary on it. And oh my god! The the, uh, the posters, um, the posters were involved in that. Like, um, you know, just showing the poster art. I, I like. I would actually watch a movie on the making of that movie. I would because that would be better than well, the movie. And I would yeah. Watch it. Because it sounds like Warner Brothers stopped paying attention to what was going on. <laughs> it's evident. And in Ac- <laughs> yeah, and Aykroyd was just left to his own devices. And, and I think he's a great concept guy, but I think he needs an editor. Yeah, you and, need a Ramus to, or, yeah, to make yeah, sense yeah. of it. And yeah, yeah that's, because the concept is really simple for that movie. It's yeah. city slickers get stuck in a podunk town with a crazy you know, justice of the peace who traps yeah. them in, you know, f- courthouse. That's also like a haunted mansion slash fun house. That's the yeah. pit. Inter- interdimensional uh, fun house. Um, so let me, <laughs> let me ask you this then, uh, Blake. So, you know, I mean, I think most people listening are aware of Mondo uh, and mm-hmm. maybe not when it first started, but they know about it at this point. Mondo, my understanding of Mondo, if I remember correctly, was that what they were trying to do was sort of, um, give alternate movie posters or um, say, you know, kind of the, the, the gist of it was kind of saying, how come they don't make posters like this anymore? Yes. Uh, it, they're not, we're not taking away from the original and how gorgeous it is, but we're going to do something for this. And it, they started with, with classic films. They started with stuff from the seventies, maybe early eighties, whatever. And, and now it's become a thing where they're going, they're getting, they're going after stuff that's only a year or two old, sort of. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite as much. Let's show you what this stuff should be, as it is, them just taking some liberties with, with how they do artwork and you know they're putting it on the vinyl records that come out and sure. You know, the stuff. But what's your take on them and the initial brief that you know what they were trying to to do were you were you empathetic toward it do you think it's oh, really- i as a yeah uh and you and i have talked about this a bit you know in the past I, you know the fan in me loves everything that mondo is doing because what mondo is is a direct reaction to the thing to the movie to the the fandom to the pop um and it's always a lot easier to do a dope cover of a song after you've heard the song so I've always made the case that, yeah, Mondo is the art is second to none. The guys they got doing that stuff, I mean, are just some of the best poster artists working in terms of execution and the way they do them and just how creative and cool they are. 
as a marketing from a marketing standpoint because my job is marketing i am not just an artist i am in charge of marketing they're not great posters for that they're posters that are a reflection of the fandom but that's not necessarily what gets the broad audience in seats there are posts that that assumes the person looking at it is familiar product seen the movie yeah you know, I mean, the challenge we face is, you know, we've read the scripts and we have seen the movies and then we have to make a poster that's going to get not only you guys, but also, you know, someone's grandma, you know, your aunt, you know, your aunt Fanny's got to come too. So, uh, and obviously they're not burdened with that responsibility when they make those right. posters. They just get to make the flash, cool, pop, just awesome artwork. Um which is so amazing and freeing, especially when you're in love with a movie. You know, like I said, I made a Burbs poster. Um, you know, would it have been the poster for the movie when it was released in 89? Absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. no one would have known what they were looking at, you know, <laughs> or why it was important. All you yeah. needed to see was Tom Hanks, a little whiff of something kind of creepy and a good copy line. That's what you needed to sell that movie. So they do, they, you're, because you're right, they do do some things that are so inside baseball, that are so little, you know, a little moment, uh, a little aside from the film that becomes the bulk of the message in the, in the art or a little thing off in the corner or something. But sometimes I've seen them do ones that are, that are a little more, um, they seem like they're trying to give the, the vibe of, we don't know what this movie is yet. Like they, there's, there's a little bit of that. I think they did one for the thing that was interesting. That was kind of not generic, but it it wasn't too plot specific. Mm -hmm. And it was, and I, and there, so every now and then I see stuff from them that I go, Oh, that, that could have worked. That wouldn't have been too far off of what we got, you know, that, that piece there, um, as opposed to, you know, uh, I mean, in fact, I've got Mondo did the two, you saw it, Blake, they did two, um, Flash Gordon posters are so good. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. And, you know, one of them is this 1980 with Sam and and Max von Sydow, etc. And then the other one is the 1940 serial mm-hmm. with uh, Charles Middleton as Ming. And when you bring the two posters together in the middle, you get one Ming. Like, they're split right, right down the middle and whatever. And but But they're gorgeous because, like, you know... The, the, there's so much stuff going on in the Flash Gordon thing that to me, I look at something like that and go, that could have been a poster for the release, the actual release. There's nothing in there that you're getting that's totally that's. And, and I would definitely amend what I said earlier to say there are some Mondo posters that I'd be like, yeah, put that on there and that would have sold tickets. No mm-hmm. question. But mm-hmm. I think on the whole, my opinion of it is as a uh, as an avenue for fans to get the art maybe that they want they didn't get on something like a nothing but trouble i guarantee you there's some fan art out for that that's probably by and large so much better than the art that actually exists for it um you know that's the a the beauty of social media now that we get to share all this stuff but also the beauty of things like mondo where they're creating this really cool and it, yeah. and, it reinvig- and honestly that reinvigorated the poster culture you know the poster is yeah not dying by any stretch of the imagination, but it has been marginalized and sort of diminished because of everything else. Um, you know, it, it, advertising now is no longer about print media. It's, you know, it's, it's audiovisual and it's yeah. social media. So, uh, you know, that's been a wonder and opened a lot of doors, I think, for a lot of really great artists because, 
that wouldn't have otherwise had a shot because you had these gatekeepers. You know, if you didn't work on the movie, you didn't work on the movie or you sold your poster in your local comic book store, maybe, or got lucky that it, you know, got sold at Comic-Con or something. But that was it. Um, It's crazy that we even live in a world where there probably there probably is nothing but trouble fan art out there. And it's probably fairly well known. Well, if there isn't. There's going to be in a matter of weeks because holy shit, I love that movie and I want to do something for it. <laughs> well, do you, want to, do you want to talk about uh, stuff that's coming up? Anything that you're currently sure. working on or the um, the Metropolis trip would be would be. Yeah, man, I, that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. So uh, just a real quick catch up, you know, before we kind of head into the head into the third act here. But uh I am from a town called Metropolis, Illinois. I was not born there, but I was raised there. I lived there for, you know, 17 years of my life. Um, Population of 6,300. It's just a small town in rural Illinois. Uh, But we have a Superman celebration every year. It's a really cool thing. Yeah, there's a museum there, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And because of the museum and because we actually have a lot of, like, the Reeve props and a lot of stuff from Superman memorabilia – uh, it actually is licensed by DC Comics that we do this celebration and get talent to come and sign autographs. And, and every year in the summer we do this. So I was very I was asked to come as a guest artist. Um, they were going to fly me out because I'm a hometown boy and, you know, and I do art now. So uh, it was really humbling and really cool to be asked to do that. So in July, I will be uh, in Metropolis. I've done a uh, a custom Superman poster uh, that for them, they asked me to do a, a piece of artwork, uh, you know, just for them. And so uh, I'm going to do all the sales of this, of this Superman poster that I've done uh, are going to, all of the proceeds will go to my high school art program um, there locally because the, I didn't go to college. I, the last place I actually took an art class was in my high school art class. Um, luckily I had one of the greatest teachers ever, but um, so I really wanted to, and other artists have come out of Metropolis, other ceramicists and music, musicians and a lot of arts have come from that area, yet they always just seem to give money to the football team, despite the fact that no professional football player has ever come from Metropolis, Illinois. So yet. I am trying really hard to get uh, to get the, the community on the hold to kind of uh, pay a little more attention to the to the to the arts there. So at any rate, it's going to be a really cool thing. We're going to sell, uh, you know, sell some original artwork. Um you know, it's going to go for a good cause. It's going to be a really neat thing. And and I haven't been to the Superman celebration probably 20 years almost. So uh, it'd be it's going to be a neat thing to go back for the first time after that long and it actually be part of it. So so I've got that coming up. And uh, of course, yep. I've got my my buddies in flames, um, hopefully going to get working on their next record soon. Um, and I got some stuff coming out for Motley Crue. Um so can't tell you exactly what that's going to be, but <laughs> I was asked uh, to work on some stuff for them. So nice. Uh, so yeah, got some. Got it's going to be a good year. And working and on I, some. I've, uh, he's teased the piece, the Metropolis piece, to me, and it's absolutely stunning. Well, so, I had to because it was very inspired by Bob Peake, and because Jason and I talk about Bob Peake at least twice every time we hang out. I felt compelled to get his eyes on it to see if it was uh, if I was doing it justice. Um, because if you if you remember the the teaser poster for Superman, it's basically the small chrome logo and a beautiful streak of red and blue that Bob yeah. Peake did. So my concept for the poster, because Christopher Reeve is my Superman, that's who I think of when I think of Superman. Um, yeah, it's a pretty popular opinion. 
I, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I did, uh, I did, of I'm course, a Dean Cain man myself. <laughs> Dude, man, oh, I could go, I could talk for a long time about that show and living in Metropolis <laughs> at the time. When Superman, the TV show, was the hottest TV show while living in Metropolis as a kid, I had no idea what reality was. Um, uh, that makes sense. Anyway, but yeah, so I did a 78 Superman poster. And, uh, if you would, I tried to think of it like if Peak was able to do a continuation from the streak and i know he obviously did a couple of pieces for superman there's one where he's holding lois and looking at the city and all that stuff but a more traditional kind of continuation uh what would that look like so i did a a very uh, bob peak influenced 70s inspired uh, superman poster for the for the celebration this year so i'm excited cool to see it. yeah cool it's very cool and uh, and Brian, what was the name of the company in Spain that did some Superman toys were made here for the movie, but they they all look oh. like kind of like Christopher Reeve, but not really. But they all all the rest of the characters are like sort of in DC Comics outfits at the time. And um, yeah, well, Amigo didn't really have the likenesses to the right. actors, you know. They it, and like, and I the think there was some complications with they had the rights to Superman. And I don't think you could have done a workaround and made Superman the movie action figures, but I don't think Mego wanted to pay the Salkinds for the, you know, the the movie designs. I, I, that's the feeling I get. Right. So, uh, but somebody, yeah, it's it's in Spain. It's a company called um, the actor was called Model Man, and he's this six inch action figure, and it it doesn't look like Christopher Reeve. It is. It is Model Man, but the box <laughs> is is that Fortress of Solitude from the film. It's very obviously film based. Right. Um, it kind of looks the figure kind of looks like Turkish Superman, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm mildly obsessed with them. I want to get one before I die because they made they made a figure, they made a truck, and they made a helicopter to kind of reference the helicopter bit in the movie. Was that okay? It? Okay. I think I think it's a figure, a jeep, and a um uh a helicopter. I think, but th- I think the jeep and the helicopter are just from Modelman. <laughs> yeah, <And> they, <laughs> they just put Superman logos on it. You know? Oh, I love it. I've oh, I always loved it. Jeep. Yeah, they would they would always give Superman like a like a ship or something, and it's like, dude, yeah. he's Superman. <laughs> he, he does not need a a vehicle of any kind. <laughs> a space. But, yeah. You know, I just sent you guys in the chat, by the way, the uh, the piece for uh, for Metropolis. That way. Uh, oh, cool. You can I don't know how to access it. I'm a Luddite. Um, well, I also, what that was. Yeah, send me you, or send Brian a couple of You know, we'd love to showcase a couple of pieces. Well, if you, you know. in Skype, if you go down to the little chat bubble, it's next to the phone. Um, you should be able to open that up. And. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks. Oh, Wow. Oh wow, yeah, that is amazing. Isn't that great? Oh yeah, that's gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah I we're gonna. See, I'm gonna I see where you're going with that too. I like that very much. Thanks very much. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna do a version with and without logos and type and all that kind of stuff on it, so you get an artist proof and a, a poster poster for the for those that want a proper poster. I realize I'm a bit alone in that. Like, one of the things I don't like about posters is the fact that they have type on them at all. <laughs> because I want it to just be all about the artwork. Um, yeah, I get you. Much to the chagrin of my boss and everyone I work for, because I'm always fighting against putting more type on things. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I always like having an artist-proof version of artwork without <laughs> type on it. So I wanted to offer that to 
to the nerds that want it, but then also the the regular folks who just want a, a regular poster. Well, this nerd wants anything he can get his hands on, so come with <laughs> Well, you've got the inside you got the inside track, my dude, whatever you want. Well, this has been uh, really enlightening, man. I had a feeling it would be. And uh, Yeah, this was really – I've learned a lot, actually. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I, I never set out to learn anything. That's great. Oh, man. I Well, I could talk to you guys about – well, probably pretty much anything because you guys are hilarious and smart and know everything about everything that I like. But, yeah, I could talk about posters for – Good, because you're you'll come back then. We'll have you. Oh, back. good. Oh, I'd love to. Please, please, please. Well, we thought uh, this would be a good way to talk about it. Uh, so we talk about posters now and then and campaigns, but it's cool to have somebody that really gets it from the other side and that you know is influenced well, by it so you long. Know, I'm I'm one guy, and there's a lot of people that work in my industry and a lot more talented people than me, and you know they get to do a lot of stuff. But uh, you know, it's 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 kind of cool to be a person on the outside that gets in and seeing how the sausage is made a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, and it's the, for, for all the, the good and the bad, you know, um, it's a, it's a cool industry and getting to talk to the people that were there that saw all of these changes happen and what that was like, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard people tell me, they're like, Oh, thank God for Photoshop. And I'm like, Oh, why? And they're like, well, ugh, dealing with artists was so difficult because they wouldn't do things you would ask them to do. And I'm like, Oh, I get that, (laughs) you know, make him bigger. And it's like, Nope, I'm not doing that. He's the way he is because I'm the artist and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, Gone are those conversations, you know, Photoshop erased the people that knew more because now anyone can just hit scale up and, you know, it's done. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I don't want to say names, but, you know, I've been told some very big poster artists were very difficult to work with, you know, not in that they were uh, difficult in general. But, you know, then they would get outrageous asks from the studio about, oh, make this person bigger or change this or we don't like this color. They were like, you paid me to be the artist on this piece. And I was. So (laughs) that's the end. You know, know, what what are you going to do? Paint it yourself? And they... (laughs) And for the longest time, that was it. That was the end of the conversation because no one's going to do what they did. But now all it takes is, you know, a couple college students with Photoshop and they can whip something together. Yeah. Put some, put some type on it, you know. Luckily, there's a lot of us out there that are uh, students of the old school and love really great designers, you know, the Saul Basses of the world and endeavor to make posters that are at least kind of reflective of that quality. Yeah you know that era well yeah. we're lucky to have you working on this stuff man and we really appreciate you uh coming to the show and spending some time hey yeah, i appreciate the invite much. oh yeah thank you brian thank you jason uh anytime i can come back i would be more more than happy great fantastic we'll do it again tomorrow all right gang <laughs> have a great one talk soon thanks Take everybody care. All right, bye bye bye